The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. How is it difficult to be born again? What is the difference in believing on and believing in Jesus? And will there be grief in heaven? These are some questions that have been asked and we're going to be answering them today here on Grace in Focus. Thank you for joining us. This is a broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Hope you'll go to our website, that's faithalone.org, and find out more about this ministry and about our online seminary. It's time for applications and registrations for the spring semester if you're interested in that. And you can find out more at faithalone.org or gesseminary.org. Now with today's discussion, questions and answers, here is Bob Wilkin. And I have some great questions here today. The first one is from P.L., and P.L. quotes from Matthew seven thirteen and 14, where Jesus said, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. P.L. asks, What does Jesus mean when he says that the way is difficult, which leads to life? I love that question. Because it's one that Lordship Salvation people often use to say that it is difficult to become a Christian. We must give up everything. We must turn from all our sins. We must dedicate our lives to Christ. We must follow him from now until death. And so they see the way to what they would call final salvation to be like running a lifelong marathon. Day after day after day, you're running 26.2 miles, and if you ever have a day you don't complete your marathon, you're not going to win the final salvation. You're not going to win this prize that they think everlasting life is. Well, my answer to PL's question is rather simple. It's difficult because... It's contrary to tradition. It certainly was contrary to the tradition of the Jewish people in the first century. Although the Old Testament did teach the faith alone message, the rabbis didn't understand that for the most part. There were a few, but most part they did not get that. And most of the Jewish people did not believe that. That's why John 1.11 says he came to his own and his own received him not. The nation of Israel rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Only 500 or 1,000 people came to faith in Jesus during his earthly ministry. Maybe some would argue it's several thousand, but out of millions of people, you only had a tiny fraction of a percentage that believed in him. Well, that means it's difficult to believe in him because the tradition of the rulers in Israel was contrary to the teachings of Jesus. That's true today as well. In Christianity, what we find is most people reject the faith alone message. Most people in Christianity believe in some form of work salvation or lordship salvation. And so as a result, it's difficult to come to faith because For every preacher that preaches the faith alone message, there's 50 or 100 that preach faith plus works. 
That's certainly true in terms of blogs. It's true in terms of podcasts. It's true in terms of radio and TV and books and booklets. It's true in terms of pastors and churches. You know, Jesus also said that we were to strive to enter by the narrow gate. And the word for striving is the Greek word agonizomai. Agonizomai, we get the word agonize. Well, the reason you need to strive is because so few people are actually proclaiming the message that is the message of everlasting life. There is a secondary reason why it's difficult and why you need to strive. Not only is it contrary to most traditions, but it's also contrary to the way most people think. Most people think that nothing is free, and so they think everlasting life couldn't be free. Besides, in their mind, it wouldn't even be fair. In their mind, God can't let bad people into his kingdom because that wouldn't be right. And so in their view, people have to turn from their sins and clean up their lives and follow Christ in order to be worthy to get into his kingdom. And so it's a matter both of tradition and a matter of reason. And I suppose there's a third reason, and that would be experience. Many people have prayed some prayer, walked some aisle, given their life to Christ. They've done what they were told to do, and they think, okay, I've been told if I do that, I'm born again, and I felt something when I did it, so it must be true. And so it's very difficult for them to abandon lordship salvation or work salvation when they've had a feeling and when they're part of a tradition and when it makes sense to them. But the truth of the matter is most traditions are wrong. And the truth is our experiences need to be brought into subjection to the scriptures, not the other way around. We don't change John 3.16 to fit our experience. What we do is we understand our experience in light of John 3.16. And until we've believed the message of John 3.16, that whoever believes in him will not perish but has everlasting life, we realize we've not yet been born again. In my own case, I had to change my testimony because when I was 16, I gave my life to Christ, turned from my sins, promised to serve him, and I felt something But it wasn't until I was 20 in college and was confronted with the message of Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that I came to believe that everlasting life is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And that's when I was born again, not when I felt something when I was 16 and gave my life to Christ. And so I changed my own testimony because I realized my prior experience had been wrong. So, P.L., I love your question, and if you're out there and you don't know for sure where you're going when you die, let me urge you to read the Gospel of John prayerfully. Ask God to show you, is it really just as simple as believing in Jesus? Even if that doesn't make sense to you, the question is, what does God teach? If that's what God says, then it's true whether I think it should be true or not, where I think it should make sense or not. Well, we have another question, and this question is from Glenda. Glenda 
says that she's heard from someone that there's a difference between believing on Jesus for everlasting life and believing in Jesus for everlasting life. She's been told that you're only saved if you believe on Jesus, not if you believe in Jesus. She writes, I thought believing on and believing in Jesus for everlasting life meant the same thing. Does believing on him and believing in him mean the same thing? Does it make a difference which word we use, on or in? Well, the Greek is pistuo ace auton, and ace primarily means in or into. And so you have a verse like John 3.16, whoever believes in him. And most translations say in him because they're translating ace as in him. I should note, however, that in 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul uses a different preposition. Instead of ace, he uses epi, and epi means on or upon. And that's why 1 Timothy 1.16 is translated, However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So even though believing in him is the way it's primarily stated in John's gospel, you do have 1 Timothy 116, which refers to believing on him for everlasting life. So my answer, uh, Glenda, would be no. It really doesn't make a difference whether you say, I believe in Jesus for everlasting life or I believe on Jesus for everlasting life. In both cases, what we mean is he makes a promise that he who believes in me has everlasting life, and I believe him. I'm believing in him, in what he said. I'm believing on him. I'm believing on what he said. Believing in or on works in English, and it works in Greek, and I think it would be a mistake to somehow say that we need the particular preposition on. Uh, the preposition in certainly works fine. And in most translations, John 3.16 is whoever believes in him has everlasting life. Well, we've got time for one final question. Ed asks about our experience in eternity future. He says, when we as believers pass away to be with our Lord, what of our memory and sorrow of our friends and family members who have passed on into a Christless eternity? Will our memories be wiped? How will our sorrows be dissipated concerning our memory? As the rich man in Luke sixteen nineteen through 31 had memories of his brothers and family when speaking to Abraham from Sheol. Well, Ed, one thing to recognize is the rich man was in the bad part of Sheol, the non-air-conditioned part of Sheol. He was in torment. We're not told that Lazarus or Abraham, both mentioned in Luke 16, were upset about any friends or loved ones who weren't there with them, but were over on the other side with the rich man. So we really don't know. But what I would suggest is, no, our memories won't be wiped. But since we're going to have glorified bodies and glorified, sanctified minds, 
we're going to be perfectly accepting of reality. And so the fact that some of our friends or loved ones are not with us in the kingdom is not going to upset us. Now, how that is, I don't know exactly. Part of the reason why this is a difficult question is the scriptures simply do not tell us. So it's speculation on my part. But my speculation would be that somehow God will make it to where we're not forever grieving over loved ones who are in the lake of fire instead of with us in the kingdom. Be sure to tell your friends about this show. And remember, keep grace in focus. Our goal at the Grace Evangelical Society is to teach Scripture clearly and without confusion. One of the best tools for that clarity, we believe, is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our site, we have all kinds of materials that are designed to help you mature and grow in your faith and your understanding of Scripture. Please come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. You'll be glad you did. It's really exciting to hear from our listeners. So if you've got a question, comment, or feedback, I hope you'll reach out to us. Best way to do that is through email. Here is our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode, we return to our Roman series, with Ken Yates and Catherine Wright. I hope you will join us. And until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.